when, so when we were managing our own property, so, so I was managing our properties for about 11 years before I started ICPM. And are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey everybody, it is Sarah Larby here. I am, as you might hear, the birds chirping in the background. I'm outside on the patio enjoying the beautiful weather and I hope you guys are too. I uh, am spending a lot of time at the cottage this year, likely about two months, and decided to, uh, you know, enjoy the lifestyle, enjoy the time since, you know, we do real estate to be able to retire and take our lives back, take our freedom back. So I deliberately did not rent the cottage for the time being and uh, decided to stay up there. And it's just been great to disconnect and, you know, feel content in really doing not a whole lot of work uh, during the week. And I think, you know, at this point I'm, I'm working five, 10 hours a week. A lot of the right club stuff, podcast stuff I still enjoy, but work doesn't feel like work. It feels like, I don't know, stuff I enjoy doing. So, and, and as you know, and, and why there's birds in the background is if it's nice outside, summer is so short here, I want to make sure that I have as much time in the sun as possible and I'm outdoors as much as possible. So hopefully this sounds okay and there's not too much wind, but this also is a, a really cool podcast to talk about lifestyle and being able to manage uh, properties, a portfolio remotely. And today's guest is Natasha Coltrero, who is actually living in Costa Rica and managing everything from a distance and has done a great job. So we talk about many, many things. Um, and uh, when we were recording this, it was still cold in Canada, but I, uh, you know, um, Costa Rica is definitely on my, on my bucket list of places to go visit. Natasha and her husband, they began their real estate investing journey in 2006. They purchased a duplex in Oshawa and, uh, you know, grew, got into the rent to own business, uh, created some deals that way, their portfolio grew. And then they also started their own property management company in 2017. And in 2020, in October, 2020, they moved to Costa Rica and have been able to continue to build, continue to successfully manage everything from a distance while they don't need to deal with the winters anymore. And, uh, and it's just very inspirational. And it's so awesome to see people taking real estate, making it work for them and being able to enjoy life because, you know, ultimately money comes, money goes, you can make more money but time is very finite. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Have a great weekend. And don't forget to leave a rating and review if you enjoy the show. Natasha, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm a little jealous of, uh, of your, your view when the camera was turned a little bit uh, the other way there. But uh, for the listeners, where are you uh, zooming in from right now? I'm zooming in from a little town called Ohochal, which is in Costa Rica on the Pacific coast. Awesome. It's, uh, it's my next go-to place, Costa Rica. So I'll have to definitely ask you lots of questions about that off air. But you know, what brought you to Costa Rica? Was it always something that you wanted to do? Was it you know, a goal of yours? Uh, how did that all happen? Yes, absolutely. My husband and I, ever since we were very young, we've always wanted to move somewhere uh, that's warmer, uh, a little more 
beauty, a little more color throughout the year. And um, at first we tried California, to be honest, and we were trying to get to California, but, but surprisingly, it's very difficult for Canadians to get immigration into the States. That was many years ago. And um, because of the uh, current and, and the previous political situations in the US, we decided maybe we'll look elsewhere in the meantime, we traveled to Costa Rica on vacation and we fell in love with it. And then we thought, you know what, we can make this work much faster, first of all, because it's more affordable than, than, the, than the United States. And, and getting to know it, there's a lot more uh, beauty and there's a lot more uh, positives that we would not get if we were in California. All right. Very cool. Now, what is it that you guys, both you and your husband do that you can, because you're here, you were saying for a year. So you've left Canada, a business, your real estate, and, uh, and you are working uh, remote. And what is it that you do? My full-time day-to-day income comes from my property management company called Investor's Choice Property Management. I have an awesome team in Oshawa on the ground. Danielle, Josephine, and Courtney are amazing. And uh, we, and given, you know, the circumstances, especially with COVID, more and more things are becoming online and, uh, and remote. Uh, I, I have this opportunity to take this year and, and come down to Costa Rica. Uh, my husband, he works remotely as well. He works for Canadian Tire Corporation in information security. And so we just, we do our same nine to five uh, from home. And then we, we use the evenings and the weekends to explore and, and enjoy nature. That's, that's an amazing lifestyle. I, uh, I think that's awesome. Congratulations on getting there. So let's take a step back because you are also real estate investors. How did you get started originally? It was a long time ago, actually. Um, Paul and I started in 2006 when we bought our first duplex and we were very young at the time and the mortgage rules were very different. So we were able to get a mortgage with $0 down. We, so basically we borrowed our down payment um, because we both had jobs. That's all the bank really needed. And we bought a duplex because I was very, um, I, was, I was not in the, in the real estate mentality mind frame yet. I was very nervous. And so I thought, what if we can't make the mortgage payments? What if we lose our job? And so I thought, you know, I want that basement apartment for security. And so it started there. And the reason we, we chose Oshawa is because, uh, first of all, it was more affordable. In 2006, we bought that duplex for $186,000. Wow. You know? <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get that in Oshawa anymore. <laughs> Definitely. Yep. And, um, and, and our parents lived closer to there because we were originally from uh, the Toronto Scarborough area. And so it was a little closer to our families and, and it was more affordable. All right. Very cool. So what is your real estate investing strategy for your own portfolio? We've done a couple of different techniques. We, when we did that first duplex, uh, we refinanced it after five years, we pulled some money out. We put it into the next house, which we duplexed as well. And, uh, and then we did a couple of rent to owns and the rent to owns did really well for us. Uh, we liked the payout of the rent to owns, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the scheduling, I should say, because we knew exactly how much we were going to get and when we were going to get it. Um, and that those rent to owns really served as additional seed money for the next duplexes. And so we've still been doing duplex conversions since. 
All right. So, so a mix of rent to own and duplexing or converting really technically a burr, a burr strategy. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about burr a lot and we don't talk about rent to own as much, but can you give us a, listeners uh, an overview on what rent to own is and the process um because you're talking about you know when you get this cash you can essentially redeploy it um that's assuming the the tenant buyer essentially takes over the property and, and owns it but can you take a step back and just like do an overview on what rent to own is and how it works absolutely it's a strategy where you essentially have an agreement to sell the property to the tenant at a certain given time and this, uh, this requires two contracts. One is a standard Ontario lease and the other is an option to purchase contract. And that option to purchase contract has all of the terms that you need to, first of all, protect your investment and yourself, but also to, uh, to also um, determine that purchase price and at what point the tenant wants to buy. We're very flexible. We've given them lots of different options. So if they wanted to buy at the two-year mark, this is going to be the price. At the three-year mark, this is going to be the price. And really, we've had to um, do a lot of research to come up with those numbers because we want to be as accurate as possible. We don't want to have. We don't want to run the risk of the tenant not being able to get a mortgage for uh, an overpriced house, for example. And the um, the alternative is if we undervalue it, then you know, we're still walking away with what we want. So it's not really a bad thing, but, you know, theoretically, if we had not rent to owned it, we could have sold it for a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So there's pros and cons. Obviously you don't get the, the lift for the long-term appreciation or, or really the mortgage pay down per se, but cash flow is a little bit better. So you have, you know, just to, to summarize, so you've got two essential agreements. You've got the lease agreement, which is like your regular landlord tenant agreement. And then you've got your options agreement where they pay that additional amount. Just curious, where did you actually go to get the options agreement? Did you come up with it? Did you get a lawyer to draft it up? How did you uh, go about getting that paperwork? We had a partner that we were working with and he was the one that brought us that paperwork. He had done those, um, those um, tech, he had done that strategy in the past. Okay. So the first few we did with him and then we did a couple on our own. I see. Okay. Awesome. So you were like the passive, you know, money and financing partner for the first couple, got the hang of it and then went to do your own. We held the mortgage and we, uh, and we did the management oh, got it. and, uh, and he was actually the, the money partner. So he was okay. the passive guy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very nice. Okay. So that was a good partnership and got you to help, um, you know, do more conversions. And, you know, when was it that you said, I don't need to be in Toronto anymore or Canada anymore. I can go to Costa Rica. Was it, was it the investments or was it a mix of the investments plus the property management that helped, uh, you know, be able to give you a little bit more of that freedom? How we made it happen was a combination of of both. So the property management company, um, it, it's, uh, it's relatively new. I've had it, I've, I, I incorporated in 2017, although like I said, I've been managing my own properties and our, um, our partner's properties uh, since 2006. But uh, I gave it, I gave it uh, a few years. Um, so it, uh, essentially it was uh, October, 2020 when we moved to Costa Rica and and at that point, I felt very confident in the team that we have. Um, again, Danielle, Joe, and Courtney are amazing, and they're so great at what they do. 
Uh, and with that confidence, I knew that I was able to take a step back and, ma and manage remotely and allow them that freedom to, you know, make their make decisions and, you know, execute on, uh, on whatever strategies that, that uh, we agree to. Uh, at the same time, my husband is working. So um, although we are, uh, we are both working, we are, uh, so, so to be honest, this lifestyle in Costa Rica is allowing us to save a lot of money because living in Oshawa was very expensive. We had a, a huge mortgage, you know, our, our, daughter's was in, our daughter was in private school and just the expectations from family and friends were really weighing down on us. Um, and, and not just the financial um, stress of all of those expenses, but also the energy. That, that, that that required. We, we always felt so much obligation um, from friends and family to be places and do things and contribute. And it was very overwhelming considering we both work full time and we have our investments that we manage and our portfolio that we're growing as well. So coming here, it's, it's, it, it feels like we're on vacation. You know, it feels like we are on vacation because like, yes, we're still working, but there's so much less uh, pulling at us. And it's just nice to be able to breathe and relax for a change. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have a different plan, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? 
for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. There is likely a lot of people listening to this saying, I need to figure out how to do this as well. I mean, this is, you're, you're still working and it's not like you've re, you know, replaced all your income that you don't need to lift a finger for the rest of your life, but you're making it work. And I mean, you probably don't have to be working and working until that retirement date. You could, you could likely find a, a, a job or something that will, like, like, just like you guys, allow you to be remote. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, the pandemic, there's lots of horrible things that happened through it. But one of the good things I think happened to it is a lot of people realize that they can be more remote, work remotely. They don't need to be in an office so much anymore. So it provides a little bit of that freedom. And I think that you guys ran with it. You took it. That's amazing. So congrats. That's, that's super inspiring. I do want to talk about your property management company and and we'll talk about the actual, you know, what you do offer and all that good stuff. But before we do that, like, why did you want to start a property management company in the first place? I've, uh, so when we were managing our own property, so, so I was managing our properties for about 11 years before I started ICPM and I, and I was getting frustrated and I tried to outsource it and I hired a couple of other property managers and I was not happy with their service. And so I thought, you know what, who, I, I thought I need to do something. I need to provide a service because there are so many property managers out there and they each have their own style and their own, um, their own little market, but I, I mean, their own niche of, of clients, of landlords. And, and I couldn't find one that fit me. And so I started my own and I opened it up and I, um, and I provide, and I, and I, um, I like to think that we provide a very high level of service. We have very high standards within the business, within our team and with our tenants and our clients. And if, um, and it's, uh, it's a very, so property management is a commodity. So it's nothing special. It's nothing different that nobody else can offer. But what is different about us is our connection with our clients, because that connection will really tell us uh, how and if we can satisfy those clients. Okay. All right. Awesome. So are you able to share roughly like how many properties under management you're currently overseeing? Yep. We've got about 90 units under management in the Durham and Clarington areas. All right. Awesome. And due to the pandemic, obviously you're, we're hearing a lot of, you know, horror stories on both sides, but a lot of horror stories also from a tenant's perspective and non-payment of rents. Uh, early on, there was the rent strike discussions and, you know, and, all, and cash for keys. What are you seeing from a, a property management standpoint with, uh, with you know, the, the current tenants? So in April, in April, 2020, when they, when the government first had that uh, miscommunication or, you know, did not ch choose the, the correct words to say, you know, um, if you can't pay your rent, don't worry, something mm -hmm. like yeah. those lines. 
when we saw that, we expected the worst. And so we got on our tenants right away. There were multiple communications that went to the tenants saying, you know, this is what you may have heard, just so you know, rent is still due. And it was just that proactive communication and reiterating that over and over. And um, the majority of our, of our tenants were able to catch up. And uh, so I was very happy with that because I, I do, I am very involved in our network and I speak to lots of other um, landlords with large portfolios and other property managers as well. And I was very happy to hear that um, the majority of them in the, in the Oshawa and surrounding areas were getting their rents. So the majority of tenants were continuing to pay rents, whether they were using CERB or if they were still working. Um, at this time, we do have a few stragglers and we have a few, perhaps uh, three or four tenants that have just not been able to pay. And we only have two tenants that uh, have refused to pay. So we, of course, we did the N4s and all of the legal uh, legal um, strategies and the, the legal procedures procedures right off the bat. The N4s went out in April, <laughs> but, um, but we've been fortunately of, of, you know, how slow the LTB, the landlord tenant board is. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and we have been, and we have been successful with some cash for keys options. The, so about, about I would say about 50% of the cash for key, um, uh, offers that we've made have been accepted. The problem is that a lot of time tenants don't have anywhere to go. And a lot of time, if they're not getting um, money from the government or if they're not collecting or if they're not working, then if they move out and they accept a cash for keys offer, they don't have anywhere to go and they're not going to do that to, to their families. So those are the ones that we've really been struggling with. We've, um, we've uh, really been trying to work with that and um, there's a lot of other, there are a lot of other, um, there's, a, I could talk about this for a long time. We've had a lot of situations, but I think what the, what I really want everybody to know is that each tenant is different and really that relationship with the tenant and understanding the tenant's needs is most important because if you want to get a cash for keys offer accepted, you have to know what your tenant wants and it might not be cash. Absolutely. That's well said. And, and also just even from a landlord perspective, I mean, some landlords might want cat to do cash for keys and some of them may decide that, you know what, no, I'm not doing cash for keys. I'm going to take them the court and we're going to go through the process. So that probably affects as well the, the outcome of, of how you guys go about doing that. Definitely. And, and um, the problem is the wait, because as they're waiting for those hearings, the tenants are falling further and further behind in rent. Yeah. This is, this is unfortunately Ontario for us, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's a bit skewed and this is why screening tenants is critical, which brings on, me on to the next thing I want to talk about. So what are you guys doing in terms of uh, services that you provide? So of course there's the management, but are you also screening tenants, placing tenants? Can you share what you do for that? Absolutely. We've got three main services. The first is tenant placement, which includes everything from taking pictures and advertising, screening, of course, all the way to signing the lease and doing a move-in inspection, collecting first and last, and, uh, and handing, handing over keys. Uh, that's our first service. We have a lot of landlords that like to do their own management, and they just hire us for tenant screening, and that's great. The main service that we have is the ongoing management. So we have a basic package, we have a premium package. 
uh, like I said, we have a very high level of uh, service that we provide. We have very high standards for ourselves and for, and we have very high expectations of our tenants. So to enforce that, we, uh, we do have um, different services and depending on what the landlord's budget is, they can, they can um, select what they want. We also have a custom package. So some, some landlords want to do some things themselves and they just want us to do very few things. So of course, we're, we're going to be flexible and uh, we, we, are, we are lucky that we can have that flexibility with the systems that we have in place and the team that we have in place. So, um, so you know, we give them that flexibility. And the uh, most recently popular service that we have is renovation management. We, we uh, like to see properties before the, ten, before the, the landlord waves conditions. So to all the landlords out there, if you're not already doing this, if you've put an offer on a property and you've got five days uh, for your conditions, give us a call or at least give a property manager a call and have them come out to, uh, really understand firstly how much rent you can get so that really makes a so that you can have a very accurate numbers uh, but also and I don't know if other property managers offer this we will offer suggestions um, based on the client's budget on how to renovate or stage or really maximize the profitability of the property either from a rent collection perspective or an overall equity perspective and that goes to full out renovations. Uh, our last renovation project that we did was a property in uh, not the best area in Oshawa. However, we were able to renovate the upstairs and the downstairs. We legalized it. We brought everything up to code and we are getting more rents than we thought for that area. And we have A plus tenants because we were able to place them uh, ourselves. So that was a great success story. I'm super excited about that. Um, and, uh, and, and that, le that duplex legalization um, in the city of Oshawa or the region of Clarington, we have so much experience with that. And so I thought, you know, people are calling us and they're asking us these questions. So of course we're going to help them. And of course we're going to open that up to our clientele. And we've had, um, we've had uh, a, lot of, a lot of interest. So I'm, so I'm uh, really excited about that, that stream of the business. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip 
or a burr project, the rhino part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what rhinos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget, which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at white elmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show. That's very cool. That's, that's a great service. So can you just confirm what areas you mentioned Oshawa, but how far, you know, uh, east, west, south, uh, <laughs> north do you go? In for property management or yeah. for property management, we do all of Durham region. So from Pickering to Oshawa, and we do all of Clarington. So, so that whole area. So from a real estate investing perspective, not a property management perspective, but in your opinion, you know, does everybody need a property manager at some point? Should people do it self-manage first? Like, is there, you know, it's not a one size fits all. I mean, I, I self-manage all of my units and six of those are, are short-term and the rest are long-term. I'm okay doing it probably at some point when I'm traveling a lot more, I'm going to actually pass that off to a property management company until then it's, it's not too bad, but you know, do you have a, maybe like a couple guidelines that you can provide on, you know, if you want to self-manage, you know, here's the, some, some of the stuff that you might want to consider. If not, you know, here are the pros of, of hiring it out. Yeah, absolutely. I, Definitely think that all landlords should give it a try first. And I think that once they do, they will really have an idea of what the property manager is working with. We really have, uh, as a property management company and as landlords, we really have a disadvantage with the Ontario Landlord Tenant Board. And there's so much we can do. So trying to really knowing the systems and working with them as best as we can moving and working outside of the systems if we have to is the greatest, uh, the, the best we can do. It is literally all that we can do. As a self-managing landlord, um, we get a lot of landlords who are actively growing their portfolio. And if you're a type of landlord who is actively growing your portfolio, there's going to be a time when you're going to have to hand it off to a property manager and make sure you find the one that fits your style. Because like I said, it's that connection that makes all the difference. And sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. Can you say that again? Well, no, you were just saying the connections that make all the difference. Yeah. 
So, so but just a recap. So then, just a recap. You know, somebody starting out, you suggest that they they get their feet wet, right. they start self managing, see how it is. If they absolutely don't enjoy it, then at that point in time, they can pass it off. Or maybe when their portfolio gets large enough and and they want to move themselves out even further to work on the business, you know, thirty thousand foot view rather than than so much in it. Or you know, at some point when you want that that ultimate freedom too. Is is that kind of maybe a summary of it? That's right. Yeah. So, so um, like you said, the majority uh, of our clients are landlords that are continuing to grow their portfolio and they need that time and that energy. Uh, and there are some that just don't like property management. They just don't like dealing with the tenants. They don't know how to deal with the LTB. And so we get a lot of those as well. Yeah. Do you get a lot of people when they actually have a tenant that's causing trouble? That's when they hand it off to you and be like, here, <laughs> have the trouble ones. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Definitely. And actually to answer your other question, the best thing that a landlord can do for property management to set themselves up for success is to screen their tenants properly. And this is so important that I actually have a, uh, if you, if you, I know this is airing a little bit later, we're, 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 uh, we're recording in January, 2021, but um, we, we do offer training and we have a, a free online training that landlords can watch. And it's how we met, we, it's how we screen our tenants. And so if you screen them properly, and if you don't, if you aren't very emotional with that decision, if you're, if you're, if you think with your head and you think with your gut, those are the two brains you need to use your head and your intuition, not your heart. You can't use your heart when you're, when you're placing tenants, like anything, like any decision in business. That'll set you up for success. Yeah, absolutely. Tenant screening is by far the thing that will predict your maybe peace of mind, (laughs) sanity moving forward. And, you know, we had two or three tenants that were like borderline, like it could have gone either way to the board or not to the board. Luckily, they're actually all out and it was early on. And it was exactly what you said. We, we gave them a chance. We're like, and even from there, and I would say, you know, guys, if you're listening to this, go and get the free resource that Natasha was just mentioning about. I mean, like I've built processes after a couple like scary kind of incidents where we weren't sure if they were going to leave, if they're going to pay. And then I just started really hammering down on my tenant screening. And, and like after the first couple of years, you get the hang of it, you got your procedures and processes, but this is, uh, you know, it, this is Ontario. It's not Texas. Uh, it's not Edmonton or Alberta. So you've got uh, the wrong tenant in there. You're probably stuck with them for nine months to 12 months after the pandemic. You know, obviously it's always slow, but it's going to be even slower now with, with backlogs and all that stuff. Like, do you know roughly like how long it's taken you? Is it around nine months, a little bit more or less to get a non-paying tenant out? Since the end of March, 2020, we haven't had any hearings scheduled. So um, in December, I, I heard that uh, somebody had a hearing scheduled for December that was filed in early March before the shutdown. So it was processed at that point and heard in December. The LTB, however, has come up with uh, a couple of alternatives for ten- for landlords. Mm-hmm. For example, if a tenant is willing to sign a payment plan, that is a great resource to have because if the tenant defaults on that payment plan, then the then it, then um, that payment plan kind of it um, replaces the hearing. And if that tenant defaults on any one of those payments on that payment plan, the landlord can apply for eviction. 
So that kind of speeds it up. But the problem is tenants are not, are, are, uh, not signing that payment plan. I, I think we've had one that signed and we've, we've tried with several. And, if, and for the listeners out there that are, that, are, um, that are looking, just make sure that you get the payment plan from the LTV website. It's not one that you can draft yourself. It has to be that one. And the reason is because there's a term in there that says if the tenant does not pay or breaches this, this, uh, this contract, essentially, then the landlord can apply for eviction. And that, you know, spooks the tenants. They don't want to sign that. It's kind of like a catch-22, right? So, because even, even with the Ontario standard lease, and I don't know if different provinces have their own standard leases, I'm, I'm guessing so, but they literally spell out what landlords can and cannot do so that the tenant can actually see it there. Granted, as long as you're doing stuff above board, but if you've got a tenant that's going to try to play the game and, you know, all this stuff is in, in black and white. And, and the other thing with the, with the Ontario standard lease too, um, and even the forms like, you know, this, this payment plan form, I think it's still very one-sided, but even the, the lease just doesn't have enough. Like you really have to, and I'm guessing you have this too, but like an addendum to really cover your butt on everything else. Like, you know, there's, there should be another 20 pages of uh, stuff and you're not going against what the, the RTA says, but you need to cover your butt because that is, in my opinion, very limited to, uh, to you know, what it should be. Absolutely. Yes. That addendum is crucial. So the next part of the podcast is the lightning round. So Natasha, I'm going to ask you five questions. Everybody gets the same five. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind within 20 seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Renos to Riches by Ian Zabo. All right, good. Number two, I don't know if you are a podcast listener, but if you do, what is your favorite podcast? Could be any topic. My friend Melissa Malati has a podcast called the Namaste Podcast, and it is, is my favorite podcast. She talks about business and spirituality. All right, very cool. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate and property management? I love to paint. I'm not very good. I just love to do it. All right. Well, I, I am not very good either, but <laughs> those, I remember doing the wine and paint nights. Those are always fun. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Number four, if you lost all your money, all your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I would create a spirituality retreat in Costa Rica. Oh. Nice. This is a very different than any other response we've ever had on the show. I like it. And <laughs> last yes. question. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started investing, how would you recommend they spend it? A down payment on a duplex. All right. Awesome. Natasha, where can the listeners reach out and find out more about you? We've got a website for our, for our property management company. It's called icpmpros.com. Or you can email us at info at icpmpros.com. Very easy. Very cool. And I always ask this at the very end, any final last words of advice? Start as soon as possible. 
start, the earlier you start, the earlier you can live the life of your dreams. And the earlier you can travel to Costa Rica. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Natasha, thanks so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much, Sarah. I love it. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.